Welcome to the On So Many Levels podcast, the podcast about collectibles, toys, games, and other fun stuff. I'm Chris. I'm Steven. And we got some stuff to talk about today. First thing on the list, you got a mountain bike. I did get a mountain bike. I am not a mountain biker, but this is my brother always ropes me into doing whatever he decides doing because he wants a partner <laughs> for it. And it always sounds fun to me until I do it with my brother and he's just he's a junkie, like adrenaline junkie. I really enjoy <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah. Is. I really my enjoy yeah. I really enjoy <laughs> having adrenaline fueled activities, but I don't enjoy being on in f- constant fear of my life. That's what my day, <laughs> my brother David enjoys. Yeah. Um, he does like so, kiteboarding, right? Yeah. He does kiteboarding, uh, now mountain biking. He was pretty hardcore with snowboarding, but he just goes so head first into everything. Once he starts it, yeah. that he doesn't make any kind of gradual progression. Maybe it's cause we're also the pe- kind of people that start everything in our thirties and forties. Yeah. So we Sounds just like normal. Right? I, yeah. <laughs> and so he wrote me into that. Um, I was like, oh, okay, well I can just find a bike real quick and get one. No, that's not the case. Pandemic. Pandemic has <laughs> everybody. Bike shops are bike. empty when you find when you can find a bicycle. It's yep. they're generally really expensive. And then my problem was uh, having a being an XL. I actually went for my first real bike ride today. It was a lot of fun. Clearly, it's That's, my bike wasn't meant for it, but it was still fun. First ride in how many years? Uh, probably the first time in I'd say a a conservative estimate would be 20 years nice so and you didn't there was it was flawless right it was flawless except for being (laughs) weak crashes and tired it was almost 100 degrees outside well you you heard it here first though you can ride a bike after not riding one for 20 years yeah even if you're weak and tired yeah it was hot outside it was like it was almost 100 shop it was pretty close to 100 degrees it was 99 when we got to the when we got to the trail and i ran out of water about two miles into the bike ride. Perfect. And I was, Katie was fine. She works out every day. Ideal scenario. So (laughs) it's exciting. I bought it more for, for like some, I won't, I would much rather do like downhill biking and uh, some uh, downhill trail riding here in the Pacific Northwest than just kind of cruising around. But I went to every single bike shop before I found my bike. I went to every single bike shop on the east side in Washington, which consists of Bellevue, Kirk, basically anything not in Seattle on the other side of Lake Washington. Right. And I call, I'll still called everything in Seattle that I could. Nobody had bikes in my size. That's crazy. Um, and they were all like, yeah, we'll have bikes in a couple of months when they send us 20, 20, 21 stuff. And I was like, okay, so Craigslist, all that, nothing. It's just crazy uh, to find anything or they're there they're just really expensive yeah they are they're really expensive and it was but i'm excited i got one though i think it's gonna be a lot of fun that's cool on to the second bit of news uh fortnite banned on ios and android yes which is actually a huge deal i mean everybody fortnite gets banned on anything you'd assume it's a huge deal it's basically It's, it's the best game own, ever, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's its own mon- monster, right? It's own monster. Monster. Um, it's 
I, I it's unbelievable how huge that game is. Um, yeah, it's ob- and it's obviously a great game. I w- won't make fun of people for for liking it. It's too <laughs> made people's careers exactly, and yeah. it kind of came out of nowhere. I don't play it because it's a tough game to just kind of jump into now with like the I building can't mechanics. I the competitive, but I love the survival yeah. mode. So, and I love battle royales, and it's just I enjoy the shooting part and looting part the building part yeah. i'll get i'll get just <laughs> smoked by an eight-year-old builder just juking me and headshotting me it's, it just doesn't work anyway why, why was it banned it was banned because they've been trying to circumvent the payment system apple apple's, or I guess apples and google's yeah. payment system which is a huge no-no they and really i guess what i gather is they've only been telling people where they can buy in-game currency outside of the app store but which i mean doing business in either of the app stores is prohibitively expensive so from what i read it's google has about 84 percent of all operating systems global on mobile operating system globally and apple is like 14 and a half percent or something like that so there's obviously the random people in there who for some reason still have a windows phone i don't know and i don't either how that exists but yeah i knew a lot of people unfortunately (laughs) so that's still a lot of phones i mean for both apple and google yeah a lot of devices yeah and i mean it's billions and this turned into a lawsuit right yeah so Fortnite has now um filed essentially an antitrust lawsuit to uh investigate antitrust behavior Um, and I guess the court that is investigating it is also already investigating Apple and Amazon for anti, anti anti-competitive behavior, behavior, excuse me, pile on. Yeah. Which we can, I think everybody here can agree that Apple, Amazon, Google, all, all of them, uh, are, uh, commit anti-competitive behavior or an engaged in anti-competitive behavior. It's. Apple's always been known as that. I mean, you're talking about a 30% cut. When I was developing Android apps, it was it was just the process. I understand having a process for security reasons. You know when you download an Apple an app from the App Store, you're going to get a pretty solid app. Not that it's necessarily going to be bug-free, but right. security-wise, payment, everything's integrated pretty well and it's it's pretty seamless, but for developers, it's like 30%. So that's just an insane amount of money to charge somebody. And I don't see them really being able to do anything about it because I, it's going to yeah. be hard for a judge to say, by the way, you can't charge these people for using your platform. It's not fair, but it's going to be the way it is. Um, it's just not as big as like when bell and at&t broke up it's i just don't think it's on that level it'd be different if there were laws written saying apple controls the mobile market and google controls it but that's not the case so antitrust lawsuits i think are pretty hard to especially when you have the lobbying you do from a lot of these companies as somebody put it well as tim uh the the ceo of sweeney uh, right tim sweeney ceo of epic games as he put it it's basically uh, n- probably not going to be a whole lot of empathy for from some people because it's a billion dollar company 
filing a lawsuit against a trillion dollar company. Right. So, but it's, I mean, it's, I think the biggest part of that though, is you're removing something from people that they play every day. Yeah. Especially during a goddamn pandemic. Yeah. Like people are home and their kids are home and that's what they play. Like that's not, that's not cool. I mean, I just, (laughs) if, if for some reason you removed, wow from Battle.net for what i I, and i know that it doesn't make sense because they're intrinsically linked um but if that were the case like and there was no other way to play wow on your pc i mean you would have it would be you would have riots yeah exactly (laughs) i feel the same way with like minecraft right exactly yeah minecraft's the perfect example if you pulled that from microsoft and then said oh by the way there's if you can't you can play it you just can't play it on windows then it would be there'd be a shit storm yeah um well let's hope it gets back on i mean i haven't played it on mobile but yeah i don't i play it. feel like it's probably from popular, what i understand so. out of for playing a battle royale it's actually really good to play on a mobile uh a give mobile it a platform. shot if it comes back yeah <laughs> i probably won't to be honest i don't play anything on my phone if i have time to play video games i, I have like one or two specific video games so that i don't get sidetracked trying yeah. to I feel like I'm wasting my time. If I play I, those stupid idle games all the time. What's what do you mean? You just click on stuff and it like you make oh fake yeah, money yeah yeah and yeah, then yeah. You do it again and then you get better <laughs> and then you make more money and then you reset the whole damn game and do it all over yeah. again. Uh, for some reason they're entertaining. Yep. That actually <laughs> sound that basically sounds like the framework of video games in general it's any kind of life. progression yeah you start you get some money you do something and then it all falls apart you're like i gotta level up so that i can yeah. be prepared to restart in the next expansion yep. level up again to level up again oh here's a little bit of i guess we'll do some spontaneous news do you have a button uh, for that i wish i um no i don't okay. i was gonna press the, the maybe <laughs> yeah spontaneous yeah news. i like that uh the Shadowlands uh, pre-patch hit the PTR for WoW. So if you have the PTR downloaded, you can go in and start to play the beginning part of Shadowlands. I don't know how far it goes. I just started last night. Rad. I'm just going to watch other people's videos of it. It's fun. I hate playing PTR stuff because yeah. of no progression. And I'm like, I just want the game to be here. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for this expansion. I think it's going to revitalize a lot of people who have dropped out of WoW recently. I do uh, super appreciate people that play PTRs, though, so yeah. that I don't have to. Uh, but it's fun. I, I played a couple hours last night, and it's uh, it's cool. I like the new... It's really interesting how just changing some minor things in the the character creation makes it feel like a totally different game. Yeah. Like, it's they have new poses, and, you know, all this stuff that goes on with the classes. Uh, adding a bunch of character customization stuff. It just feels like a brand new game until you hop in and then it's the well, same game. Well, let's be game, honest. But, for the know. last 20 years, the fact that there's been a game for almost 20 years. Yeah. And we're still playing it is insane. I mean, I know there's people that are still crushing RuneScape or whatever, but <laughs> it's different. I, I think yeah. it's kind of a different paradigm here. Uh, uh, we have a bit of follow-up news. If you want to talk on that. It was uh so we talked about, and I think in the first episode we talked about the I don't know which episode it was, was first or second. I can scroll up and see. Oh, don't tell people our secrets. Oh, it's, it was the episode three. Episode three, not the first or the second, <laughs> but the, the third. third. So there was this uh, ransomware attack, 
which was blackbot and it had uh, affected all these universities apparently there are still lots of companies that haven't reported that they've been affected some independent organizations so they expect to get reports i say they as in like there's some omniscient body taking reports on the hack hacking yeah yeah but chris is right it's the hackaverse <laughs> so tm i own the, that uh, now just so you know you actually need to report any of your <laughs> to me if you want anything done you're gonna have to report your uh your your hacks to if you've been hacked to chris hackerverse and, and the hackerverse tm yeah. <laughs> see i'm gonna make so much money it's ridiculous <laughs> I don't know how uh, yet. Or you're just going to make a lot of email for yourself. <laughs> I'm just going to make a lot of busy work. Sorties do so things I don't understand. You're just replying. We're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> so this Blackbot hat, the, one of the most recent or most well-known reports of victims have been, has been Bletchley Park in the UK, which a lot of people might recognize the name Bletchley Park, but it is actually very very significant to just our current modern world as it is right now in so many ways for one it's where the um code breaking school for the allies was in world war ii there's a million documentaries and movies that have been made based off of work done at bletchley park um name one somebody uh alan turing movie oh, okay. i don't remember the name of the movie now i feel Nobody like it, did. it was a great movie uh, with Ken Benedict Cumberbatch, he played at Alan Turing. Anyway, so Alan Turing was a code breaker there. I believe he also built the Turing machine there, which was used for uh, breaking code for the Allies during World War II. It's fair to say that we may not have won World War II without Alan Turing. Um, so a bold statement. It sir. is a bold statement. The common claim is that Bletchley Park shortened the war by two to four years which is significant because wow. that could have been uh, millions but anyway basically every, i mean the per the the current computer and microprocessor is based off of the turing machine anyway just right. computational logic and he created that um uh during his time at bletchley park i believe and then maybe university as well when he was I'm, playing the imitation game it, oh, that's imitation game. Yeah. yeah so go. anyway, that's if you haven't seen it, it's an incredible movie. And if haven't. you don't know about Alan Turing, he's amazing. Sad story. Um, he is just he's just an incredible human being and incredibly important to history. We wouldn't have, I, I imagine, our cell phones and microprocessors today without him. Anyway, wow. Bletchley Park right now is just a museum because we don't need to crack code in World War Two anymore so unless we go back yeah in time. <laughs> i'm sure everybody has at least in one capacity other heard of the enigma which is which was um the machine stolen off of a uh um u-boat during world right. war ii and then they used that they used i believe turing's machine as well and at bletchley park to crack the enigma code which was hugely valuable because the the axis never knew that they could crack the codes and it was um anyway this is very historically significant place and really important but since they don't do anything now really the only thing that anybody can get is the names addresses and information on current donors and things like that off the top of my head i can't say how that would be affected but probably the most important thing to come out of this 
is the fact that uh, a donkey reserve <laughs> in the UK <laughs> was a victim of this uh, this ransomware attack. I <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I didn't know. I didn't know donkeys yeah. required conservation. That probably just makes me an ignorant animal hater. You're an ass. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. These or I'm easy. not an ass because if I were, I would know that there's such yeah. thing as donkey conservation in the UK. Yeah, I don't know. With sophisticated data requirements, <laughs> but I God, this concept is fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, so donkey simulator donkey. 2020. <laughs> well, probably not now since the conservation was hacked project right. was everything has gone. now been all their data ruined. on donkeys is gone, and now they're going to have to just salvage say, the project. See, and, but when you say donkey reserve, I just think of them as like an armed forces. That would be incredible. Like <laughs> they're just waiting in the wings to go fight a war. And it might be, it might be the only way to safely train for military operations at the moment and keep social distancing is just replace humans with donkeys. They can Sounds lift good. a lot more and walk a lot farther. Lift is not but really carry more. They, I don't think they can lift anything. But they can't breed though, right? I don't know. You it's know way more about donkeys right? than me already. Which is very little. So. <laughs> so now this whole conservation makes sense. All right. Fair enough. We need donkeys. Uh, all right. And now for our final bit of news, um, this one's kind of awesome. It's Part of it is awesome. Uh, surfer in Australia punches a juvenile great white shark to save his wife. Uh, the shark bit her while I presume she was also surfing or swimming, uh, bit her in the lower calf and then decided to take another munch and bit her in the thigh. And she is now in a serious condition, but stable uh, at a hospital. But he punched the shark a whole bunch to get the shark to let go. Smart guy. Brave guy. Yeah, smart. I feel as if that is something I say I would do. But I don't. I always know think I would, I would because it's one of those like watching too much shark TV and survival TV. So I just try and prepare in my head for all these scenarios that might happen to me in my life and what I would do. But I realize what I would actually do is probably be terrified and I do would, the wrong I mean, thing. I, I think I'd want to, but I also think about punching in water, and that's really difficult yeah. to land a blow that would hurt. Yeah. So this surfer is probably really. Yeah, strong. I'm also not in the shape of a surfer. <laughs> body surfer maybe <laughs> no I, yeah, so. I have no idea uh and then in, i guess not really news it's just kind of a memory we'll take a, a stroll down memory lane here uh a year ago today our studio was at kevin smith's house uh discussing statues licensing and we got a pretty cool pre-screen of jay and silent bob reboot yeah that was amazing it was super fun that was amazing yeah it was really uh quite an honor to be there and like the fact that kevin invited us into his home was outstanding yeah. and a once in a lifetime experience and he was just so hospitable and down to earth gave and us some vegan snacks yeah it was really nice i think uh, he ordered like a vegan the vegan like pizza pizza and yeah. like he had like vegan breadsticks or something anyway it was delicious but it was just a an amazing experience yeah it was a lot of fun and i won't forget it 
And then we went back shortly after to body scan him. Which I wasn't there. That sounds like a. It was we just three D scanned him. Three D scan. It wasn't anything weird. I promise. Um. All right. So we got posed a couple questions that were the same question. So I guess it's not a couple questions. It's one question multiple times uh, on our social media uh, for us to talk about. We didn't talk about it last week or the week before. Uh, been holding off so it could be its own episode. Uh, the question was, can you talk about how to get a job in a business like ours? I'm going to kind of broaden that a little bit to the like entertainment industry of props, collectibles, I guess, action figures, comic books, kind of all that stuff where you make pop culture items. Um, there's a lot of jobs yeah. there. So that's a... It's a hard question to answer without context and more specificity, but I think the we can kind of go over how one would get a job with us in the different departments that we currently have. Um, the first department that we hire for the most is sculpting uh, and design. So the, the hard part with this is that we ask for a very specific thing, um, <laughs> a little bit of advice. When someone or a company puts out an ad for a job, they're taking their time to make sure to give you as much information as they can. And in that information, usually it has a list of requirements. If you don't meet those requirements, please don't apply for the most part, unless you have an outstanding portfolio that trumps the requirements, which is very rare. Uh, that is something that we look for every time. It's just basic. Like if you apply and you meet all the criteria, it tells me one, you've read the application thoroughly and you respect the things that we're asking for. Um, we get a lot of people that will apply. Like for example, we have a miniature sculpting position that is still open. Uh, we've had a lot of applicants that have had zero experience sculpting miniatures. And one of our requirements is five years in miniature sculpting. And we specifically say that because we're not looking for someone who has five years sculpting or modeling. It's five years sculpting miniatures. And I think job requirements usually on postings that even outside of this, you get job postings that have requirements, which yeah, by definition, those are required. Yeah. And then, <laughs> they're there for a reason. And then you have other skills that are a bonus. And I think most people can look at a job description anyway and feel like, yeah, that fits me. Like, I, I get it. And I understand in other sectors where people are often told, apply for the job, even if you can't do it, you never yeah. know what will happen. And I think that may work in some industries where a lot of the on the job training and you can just learn by yeah. you can kind of just prepare yourself for the job and you can learn some skills just uh, uh just kind of as a hobby and do it fairly quickly or just be you've had experience you need to be refreshed right. i don't think it works that well with art no it's hard i think that and this is this is going to come off probably a little bit condescending and i really don't want it to uh, but part of this whole process, when you apply to a studio like ours, where we're, we're asking for people with experience, um, it's also to have a little bit of self-awareness as to where you are in your current level of 
performance in said task, if it's sculpting or concept art or whatever, um, understanding like, you know, the easiest thing to do is look at our Instagram, look at our gallery of things that we've produced, compare your work. And if it matches the level at which we currently output or exceeds, then I think applying is probably okay. If it, if it's for the right position, you meet the requirements. But if your work, if you can look at your work and compare it to ours and go, it's not there, then likely we're probably not going to bring you on. And you know that I wouldn't want you not to apply, but understand why like you don't get a response or you may get a rejection. Um, the biggest thing though, is like the one thing we ask is the requirements need to be met. They're there for a reason. So the reason, for example, I'll go back to the miniature sculpting thing. We're asking for a five year, uh, experience in miniature sculpting because miniature sculpting is different from sculpting a, you know, 22 inch tall collectible statue. There's a lot of things you have to worry about, uh, that are different, like drafting angles and, and how the part can go into different types of mold and or molds and how it can be CNC'd if we want to do plastic uh, injection or if we want to do resin, it still has to be um, a, it has to be sculpted a certain way. Whereas with larger parts uh, for statues, they're easier to mold because it's just a physically bigger part. Um, and that's something that like most decent sculptors can wrap their head around. But we're hiring because we want someone who can come in and make. Well, minis, like initially right we've had the same problem as well. Initially starting up with sculpting, there was a difference between sculpting for video games or right. just for, uh, uh, maybe you did it just for, um, 3d rendering or architectural or design architectural or something and sculpting for print. Yes. And I it mean, is very different. And you definitely had to guide people through those things yeah. before I know where it's like, this is, it's not what you think it is. It has to be able to watertight yeah. <laughs> is the, the main thing. Um, that's the first real big takeaway is, is read the requirements and seriously have that conversation with yourself to see if you meet those requirements. Now I'm also going to tell you the opposite of what I just told you until you apply anyways, just understand that you may get a rejection. Um, but to learn from those rejections, because if we send you a rejection, it's likely going to detail why you're being rejected. Um, I don't like the blanket statement like, oh, well, you just saved your application, yeah. but it's just not the right fit. No, I'll go through and I'll tell you and I'll probably give you a small critique uh, depending on my workload. If I have some time, I'll do it. Um, but I think that that's something that a lot of people, especially budding artists and new people to the industry, they don't get that opportunity to get critiqued and to be told why they're being rejected. Um, and then they don't have that opportunity to like to grow and change and to, you know, maybe meet those requirements in a year or two, you know, with some hard practice or some, you know, other. Well, and you'll, you'll become options. a much better candidate in general, I think, because you, Chris mentioned the self-awareness part, you'll be, Come much more self-aware if before you start looking for industry jobs or maybe you've already had them and you're highly qualified in a different area in the industry as well right that's not to say that anybody who's not qualified is because they can't they're they're not good at it or they haven't been doing it for half their lives just maybe not for what we've been looking for but engage with the communities that exist online Uh, with like art station and and art forums and stuff like that, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, where you will be able to get feedback from people. And also you often get really good feedback from, I mean, uh, uh, all of the best 
professionals in the industry anyway um are yeah. in are are on those forums and stuff also giving people feedback and critiquing their work and stuff like that um yeah deviant art art station exactly. those are all great places to go uh conceptart.org i think i don't know if that's still up but that was a good place um the biggest thing too to 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 keep in mind is like show us uh show us something that has to do with what you're applying for so that's another big reason we reject people is they say they like you know again we'll harken back to the 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 latest thing we've put up, which was the miniature sculpture thing, but we'll have people that like, I really want to sculpt miniatures, but they don't have any in their portfolio. They may be really good sculptors, but now instead of us just hiring someone outright because they, they meet the, the requirements or whatever, we have to go through basically an art test. It's paid. We always pay people, but you know, that's a, that's time out of your life that you have to take for us to know that you can do this because you can't, you didn't show that you can do it. So if you want to be a miniature sculptor, sculpt some miniatures. Don't wait for a company to pay you to do it. Just make some. Get a Put them on your portfolio. And yeah. it, even if it's only two or three, if it shows you understand the concept, uh, it makes it much easier for us to then talk to you about employment. Um, same goes if you want to be a collectible sculptor. Don't just have a portfolio full of video game art because we don't we don't re-topologize and we don't do... Uh, you know, texture maps and things like that. That's not part of collectibles. So we like high poly, beautiful sculpts that are posed. If you, if you show me 50 characters and they're all in the A pose, that doesn't impress me as much as the guy that might only have three characters, but they're dynamically posed and the anatomy is spot on. And you know, that there's a, there's a scene like you took time to build the scene. That's important in collectibles. Uh, same goes if you want to do designer toys, Show us, show us that you've, you've built some, that you've made some. Um, I'd like to point out a thing here that probably we've all been through and mine's not even in the, in applying for jobs related to the industry or art at all. I know you've been through it and, and our other people that we work with employees that work for the company, everybody has been through this where they've been denied a job or turned down for a job they applied for that they felt and may have known that they could do, but they right. didn't have the portfolio to prove that they could do it. Yes. I had problems with that in software development where it's, I did not have the portfolio to show that I could, that I, I could demonstrate the certain software requirements that they had. And I know I've had friends and colleagues and stuff that have tried to, uh, that are, that are great artists that have been denied positions where I and they probably also felt like you could do that job, but you didn't yeah. have the portfolio. Yep. I've done the same thing. Uh, and it, it's just really important. Spend time on your portfolio. Um, the other thing I would say to back that up is don't give up. Uh, if you get a rejection letter from a company like ours, you know, and, and it gives you any bit of advice, just try to take that advice and run with it and come back three months later or six months later or whatever. Um, because it's really hard for companies, especially right now in the middle of a pandemic where we don't have the extra money to make, to take risks. So we have to hire the people we know are going to get the job done. Um, maybe if this was a different time, we would be more willing to, to take a risk on someone who has a lot of passion, but maybe doesn't have the portfolio. And we've done that the in passion. the past with yeah. people. So, uh, and it's worked out really well. I think developing people is something that we love to do, but 
um, currently when we're looking for someone, the requirements matter. So just, just focus on that. Um, I, I honestly, there's not much else when, <laughs> when it comes to getting a job in this industry is, um, also it doesn't hurt to, to know people. I mean, that's a real thing. It's, if you know someone at a company, it's probably much easier for you to get a job there, at least get eyes on your, your application. Cause that's another problem is, you know, when we put up that application for miniature sculpture, I think we got 150 applicants. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's networking. I mean, you networking know. is so important in every single job field in order to get a job. I yeah. read something years ago, uh, from a journal that was based on the study of employment and it was kind of sad, but it was also pretty eye opening. was that 80% of jobs are acquired because of who you know yeah. and the other 20% is hard work and luck. Yeah. Now I know hard work goes into to who you know as well because you've been working uh in that field usually uh but it's that to me I was like wow that's and it, and it feels like that. It feels like that when you're applying for jobs yeah. and you look at other people you go oh they're less qualified than I am. Why are they getting this job that pays twice as much and it's a job I could do better than them? It's probably because they knew somebody. Yep. Like that that's, was it. It's a huge part. And that's not a hard thing to do. Uh, just engage. So all of these companies like ours, like Sideshow and you know many, many different collectibles companies and special effects companies, they all have social media. Engage. Go on there. Uh, make sure that your, your social media reflects your talent and, and abilities so that when you do engage, there are always people behind those, those social pages. So like I am the main person that operates our Instagram. So if someone engages and they say, Hey, I applied, I'm really interested. You know, this is who I am. I look at that. But if I go to your Instagram, it's cats and soup and things that you or like places you went that, you know, I tend to not follow through that very much because I, I go, well, you're not showing your art. It's clearly not a huge part of your life. If you're not, you know, it's not part of your social media, which is, it should be if you're yeah. an artist, like that should be what you're showing. Or at least have a social media account that yeah. you're linking. Because like, we hey, see that stuff. Yeah. And that's something that like, um, you know, when you start engaging with people or like conventions, which I know right now they're off, but when they come back online, not online, but they, you know, so, yeah, they exist again in the corporeal world that we live in. Uh, you should go to those and network. And I don't just mean slam your portfolio down on the desk of someone or the booth of someplace. It's just talk to people like normal humans, engage with them, get them, get to know, make people. them comfortable and, yeah. and having a relationship with you yeah. uh, on some level. It goes a long way. Like it, we've had a few people who've applied who I remembered distinctly from our times at monster Palooza. Where and they, we've met people at Monster Palooza and other places where you you engage with them and you just like I want to work with that person yeah. in some capacity you because can see they're, some passion. they're a great yeah. hardworking asset for anybody who's lucky yep. enough to kind of in, to to be a part of that person's social circle. Um I think another thing is just be confident. So if you do get a call back or an email back, you know, be confident in in the, the interview process or the phone call or whatever, um, that goes a long way. Uh, being timid and shy, it tends to turn employers off because they, they don't want to fight through that barrier. They just want to know like who, who they're hiring and, and 
what they're capable of. And you should be proud of the things that you do. Like practice and prepare also yeah. for interviews. Yeah. You just have to do it. <laughs> That's just, yeah, it can be tough for things. When I was in school, they made us do public speaking classes because That's the universities, awesome. the universities after a while realized that people coming out of computer science and engineering weren't terribly <laughs> socially adept. Right. And where you had a lot of really brilliant people that could do the job, but they couldn't do people. Right. And so <laughs> it became a requirement and everyone's like, what? But it worked because I was terrified of that stuff. And then once yeah. I got about halfway through the class, I was like, boom, I can talk in front of the people. I wouldn't be doing this right now, probably right. if I hadn't done that. But that stuff matters. Chris can also correct me on this if I'm not completely correct, but I think try and choose a facet of the industry and specialize and become a yeah. master of that. Yeah. Uh, I went to school briefly at the art Institute. Uh, huge regret, but um, that was one thing they tried to make everybody do there is generalize. And honestly, don't, don't do that. No, I'm and never. Am I looking for someone with barely any ability in everything? I'm looking for someone with strong ability in one thing. Um, it's really important. Like if I'm looking for a, resin cast uh like production person i'm looking for someone who knows how to cast resin i don't care if you can sculpt i don't care if i mean those are all added bonuses and they're really cool if you have other skills if you're like a little but bit if you're kind of good and can you, do those things great but at least yeah. be great at something or like a mold maker if i'm hiring for someone who can make molds i want them to be able to make molds i don't want someone who kind of knows how to make molds and also kind of knows how to paint and also kind of knows how to do this other stuff those are all valuable things but when you're hiring for a specific position that's what we want done uh, and I think you should, you should become really good at one thing and have some, you know, yeah. extra skills, right? You, you just focus on one thing at least so that you can, you can find a, a spot on a team. I think that's really important. Um, and then in companies like ours, like we are, we're small, so we're not hiring all the time. And when we do hire, we have to make sure it's important. Like it's, it means something to us. So um, the people we hire, we go through a lot of applicants with a fine tooth comb. Like we, we look at everything. We look at your, your experience. We match it up to the requirements. We look at your portfolio. Uh, I won't lie. We do a little bit of like social media, Facebook well, detective work to yeah, see I mean, what kind of normal. person you are. Um, because again, in, especially in this industry, uh, culture fit is a big deal. Yeah. Um, it may not be at like your local Best Buy, but that, you know, it's it is. And right? the fact that your local Best Buy is going to try and make you conform to their culture. <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah. Uh, but I mean, like generally, like you also want to work at a place where you feel like you fit. So I think doing your homework on the company that you're going to work or you want to work for uh, would save both parties some time because you may just find out like, ah, I don't, that's just not a place I want to work there too funny or cool or i've changed whatever. jobs <laughs> i've quit jobs before and taken on other lower paying jobs because the other lower paying jobs were better people to work with yeah and that was just that's that's just infinitely valuable in my perspective as far as being comfortable not going home with a knot in my yeah. stomach every night worrying about the people i work with yeah we've had a few people uh currently and another person coming soon that same thing. They worked at other places. 
They may have gotten paid more because it was in a different state like California. Um, but they've come to us because the culture fit is better. They realize we're a good company to work with and we're fun people to be around. Um, I think that that's important. So the top few are, you know, meet the requirements, have confidence, be a good culture fit. Uh, really there's not much else I can say on how to get a job. How about a, you know, quick bonus that people might be wondering because hmm. we, uh, we talked a little specifically about like sculpting and stuff like mm-hmm. what about just talk about what jobs in case people are thinking like, I want to f- get good at something. So yeah. why don't I just choose something that I can tackle? So maybe just sure. talk about some of the jo- different positions that so exist in our company. We have kind of two divisions. We have the design department, which is concept art sculpting, uh, I would also throw the 3D printing aspect in there. So we're going to be hiring for quite a few positions in the next couple months. Um, one of which is specifically a 3D print engineer. So it's someone who just sets up files for 3D printing, which sounds hellaciously boring. And it kind of is. But there are people that find joy in that specific task of like, you know, because the 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 thing you get out of it is a perfect print. If you've done a good job, the print doesn't fail. You get a really good print. It makes the rest of the process behind it go much smoother. I think it's probably Um, more hellaciously boring (laughs) if it's kind of a tacked on job for you where you're just doing it because you have to, and you have several other things that you would rather be doing because you need to get them done. And then just ends up being a task for you. I think if it's your profession and that's your target, then I, I think you probably would have a lot more fun there, and take yeah. more pride in doing it. I think there's a lot of people that would excel at that. Um, that's a position. Um, obviously the standard stuff like office admin is we have those positions as well. Um, and then on the other side of things is our production facility. So over there you have, uh, we're hiring for resin, uh, production resin casters, which are people who, uh, literally all they do is put resin, liquid resin into silicone molds and pressure cast them and then demold it and do it again. Um, it's kind of like line work, except the challenge with that is there's variables in every mold. You have to learn the molds so you can understand how to pour the resin properly so that you achieve bubbleless and basically seam free casts. Uh, and eventually we'll have to hire someone for spin casting um, spin casting is its whole, whole other thing. Um, but someone who can do that, um, with that, the secondary role or the other role that's important, uh, is mold making. So just making two part, one part matrix molds. Um, if you can, a bonus, if you can make spin casting molds, that'd be really nice. Um, we have a, currently we have a production uh, manager, but that's another position where it's you, you manage the production of, for us, it's miniatures. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be managing that. Um, and then you have a project manager, which it's exactly what it sounds like. It manages all the projects, everything we do from the production of miniatures to our prototypes that we make for other companies. Um, we have prototype technicians. So those people generally take the 3d prints that we make and they process them to a point at which they can then go into a mold or can get painted or can become tooling masters um, to go to the factory. That's a 
really important job. And there's two versions of that. There's tech level one and tech level two. It's basically just that, you know, it's room to grow. So you come in at tech level one, then you become really good. You can move to tech level two. Uh, and then we have prototype painters and prototype master painters. Um, again, it's just two different levels of the, the basically the same position. Um, and that's it. I don't think there's any other positions. We might have like some packing and shipping positions come open, logistics yeah. stuff um, as we grow, as our board game stuff takes off. Um, but like painting, casting, painting, molding, casting, cleanup, those are all things that aren't specific to our organization. If those are things you learn how to do and you learn how yeah. to do them well, um, that's a big part of like prop making. Yeah. Sure. If you learn how to make molds, you can go work in Hollywood at a prop shop and make molds for, you know, the film industry. Uh, if you learn how to paint, you can go work at legacy effects and paint guns for sci-fi movies and stuff like there's, it's all transferable. And yeah, also it's stuff that, you know, if you decide you want to work with us for a while and learn how to cast or you know how to cast, uh, then you leave and start your own business making jewelry. Like it all comes in handy. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's skills that, you know, if you're interested in this industry, they're good to have. Well, we've um, been called on to do prop making in the past at a yeah. high level and we were not prop makers. No, we were not prop makers at all, but we know how but to do we it. We know how to do it. Yeah. And, and they turned out, and great. they turned out phenomenal. <laughs> Super great. Um, so yeah, I think that's the main list of jobs. I can, you know, run it back again. Concept artist, sculptor, uh, office admin, 3D print engineer, prototype technician level one and level two, uh, resin or production resin caster, mold maker, production manager, project manager, uh, prototype painter and prototype paint master. And then all the things that go along with logistics. So shipping, packing, uh, Maybe coordinator. a good dog. If you're a good dog, you could probably get a um, unpaid <laughs> position. Yeah, we have two of them already. One's our so. HR rep. So, uh, and then also HR, yeah, that's another good one. Um, things like that standard business stuff. Um, but we're going to be hiring, uh, in the next 30 days for resin casting, uh, specifically. So I think we're going to hire up to three people, uh, for production resin casting. And then we're also looking for another in-house sculptor, uh, preferably a miniatures sculptor. Uh, we'll be looking for two of those and everything so. we do do obviously it's different when you do it as a company as a whole everything we do you can learn to do by yourself you can learn the different parts to do by yourself from youtube yeah on one level or another you yeah. can learn to do it all so many companies have been started from one person even 3d printer youtube mold and casting yeah. maybe they already have a background in it started painting their stuff, figured it out on yep. YouTube or talked to other really good artists and people in the industry and learned from there. Oh, photographer too. Oh, that's, that's another right. position we have. Um, I mean, we could probably make up some positions. There's lots of things to do, but bad dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but hopefully that gives you guys an idea of, of how to get a job in a business like ours, what the jobs are, uh, we're not a video game studio, so, you know, they have lots of other positions, but, yeah. um, I think that pretty much covers like most prop shops and special effects shops. I mean, we don't do makeup application or anything like that, but that's something that you could do with a little bit of practice with mold making and sculpting. I mean, it's sure. It's all the same. So, 
Um, we appreciate you taking your time listening to us uh, again, put any questions you have in our Instagram at level 52 underscore studios. Uh, we listen and we'll try to put them in the next show. Uh, we appreciate you guys following along on this ridiculous adventure that we're trying to take with podcasting. <laughs> it's been fun. Uh, we're going to keep going. I think in a couple episodes, if not, maybe next week we'll have our first guest. Don't hold me to that. It's exciting. Yeah. I don't know who it's going to be, but it'll be fun. Just um, be excited no matter what. Yeah. Just scream a ton for us and we'll be happy. So uh, I'm Chris. I'm Steven. And we appreciate your time. <laughs>